On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I speak about gratitude, about getting stuck at the O2, about why I'm not going to Glastonbury, and I talk about Jamal Edwards. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 109 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own, sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. And I hope you're well. Apologies if you were waiting for this episode, expecting it to be out Friday morning as it normally is. Um, It's currently like 6pm on Friday evening and I've only just now got around to recording this. Uh, I was in London this week and so um, by the time I got back to Wales at like 11pm Thursday yesterday, which is the day I normally record this, I just thought, yeah, there's no chance I'm going to go to the office at 11pm and record this. Um, And then also couldn't record it this morning because I was recording with a guest this morning. And so here we are, finally got the episode out uh, and it joins the small group of episodes over the years that have been a bit late. Um, It's just going to be a bit of a catch up today, I guess. Like I say, I've been in London for the last week for uh, an event and a few meetings and that was a lot of fun um, other than the tube strike which made life difficult and slow and congested and way more expensive than otherwise would have been not least because uber surge pricing was basically constantly on um but yeah had some really great meetings met with um, a few contacts a few clients just had some great chats to be honest some really long chats in person which although we're really quite some way out of covid measures now it, it hasn't been all that frequent that we've been able to sit with clients um, particularly with chats like that right where there's no actual agenda it's more just having a catch-up having a conversation having some food and some drinks and whatever and so that was a really good use of time in London this week Um, I also went to see Dave at the O2 on Tuesday had to think there (laughs) it's been a long week Um, which was a lot of fun didn't expect to see him obviously saw Dave a couple of weeks ago in Cardiff Um, I'm not sure if done an episode since then I can't remember but saw Dave in Cardiff a few weeks ago with Chloe which was always the plan and then obviously the roof blew off the O2 which means that the tour had to be slightly rescheduled which meant that just by chance I was in London on Tuesday which is the second O2 date where it got rescheduled to and I just got a bit of FOMO to be honest I thought I've already seen Dave once in the last like week but the big O2 homecoming show in London with 17,000 people and I'm here and there's a couple of tickets you know what I'm like so of course I bought a ticket Um, and the ticket I bought wasn't very good I'll be honest I was like four or five rows away from the back on the very top level kind of really side onto the stage and yeah the, the view just wasn't great but it was one of the only tickets that was available and so what I did 
is I thought, you know what, and this actually came from a story which Zach told recently, I think, on his Instagram, where he basically, I think he was at the um, the Royal Variety performance, and he managed to swap his fairly shit ticket for a really good ticket, and I got there early to the O2, so I had time to kill, so I thought, oh, I'm going to have to do it, aren't I? I'm going to have to get a better seat. And so the first thing I did is I went and spoke to the customer service desks, plural, because there are lots of them in there. So each time one told me, no, I'll just go and talk to another. Uh, and I basically said, look, I have no reason whatsoever to move. Like, I don't have a disablement or anything like that. I would just like to move if there are any seats, please. And I think like the third time I attempted it, the lady at the customer service desk that I was at at the time was like, yeah, okay, no problem. And they have like a little box of, um, what is it they called it on the ticket? Like complimentary relocation tickets. And I think what they're actually for is if somebody has had a change in circumstances since they booked their ticket, i.e. maybe they've broken a leg and so they don't want to sit on a seat which requires lots of steps to get to, or if somebody gets there and they're scared of heights and they just can't sit for two hours way up there. Um, but yeah, she had a few spare and she was like, okay, here we go. So moved to a seat still on level four but a much better view and actually the guys who came and sat next to me by chance were the guys that I spoke to like two hours earlier at a bus stop a few miles away so that was just weird timing a weird stroke of luck but anyway the seat was okay but it was bothering me because I knew that there was a seat unsold on its own on level one way closer to the stage way closer to the front and I thought look there's there's no chance that somebody's going to buy that one ticket at this time it was like 8pm by this point and get to the O2 and sit on their own I just thought it's not going to happen so I decided that I was going to go and sit in that seat but obviously it's not as simple as that is it because tickets are checked at each of the doors that allows you to get to the part where the seats are if that makes sense and so had to be a bit sneaky and I waited until a big group of people walked through the doors and so the two guys checking tickets to make sure you were supposed to be in that block were occupied uh, and I just scooted around the back and then I thought shit like that was a good plan momentarily because now I'm in the seat and it is empty and that's great but I needed to get back out because I was well dehydrated and needed a wee and whatever else. Like I couldn't just sit there for the next three hours and hope for the best. And so I <laughs> I went back up to the top and rather than trying to avoid the guy who was checking tickets, told a bit of a lie, didn't I? I was like, look, my mate's down there. My mate wasn't down there. I was just sat in an empty seat. I was like, my mate's down there and he's got both of our tickets. Um, I, Am I all right to you know like get back in once I've been for a wee and whatever and he's like yeah yeah man don't worry I'll remember your face I'll remember your face I'm like cool 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 and so that's what I did I went and got some food I got a couple of drinks I came back in and the same again later on when I needed a wee and there we go sat in a much better seat um and yeah just a good time so that was good um getting back from the O2 that night though was an absolute nightmare because there was a tube strike in London on Tuesday and on Thursday and so Tuesday night when 17,000 people left the O2 arena now think about like a map or the intro to EastEnders if, if you're not familiar with London think about where the O2 arena is and kind of how it is 
locked on three sides by a river. And so there's almost like a tiny valley of land in and out of that whole area, right? There were no tubes, obviously. The, um, what is it they call it? The Emirates Airline, the cable cars had stopped. And so the only way out of there for 17,000 people was by road. And so we had three options, I guess. Number one, people had parked there. Perfect, fine, but that caused crazy congestion, which means that number two, Ubers and taxis just couldn't get in. I couldn't get an Uber. I tried for like two hours, not possible. And so then number three was get a bus somewhere. And I was stood there with my battery quickly depleting, trying to work out where to get a bus to and how to get out of there. Bearing in mind, it had been chucking it down. I'd been there for like two hours, just stood in the rain, going from the Uber point, trying to get an Uber to the bus station, to the Uber point. And I was like, this is long. So I literally just got on the next available bus. And when I say available, I was still waiting for like half an hour because people were just cramming onto these buses to get the hell out of there. Thousands of people. And so I got on a bus that went to, I think, Charlton, wherever that is, um, just away from the O2 Arena, and then managed to get an Uber from Charlton. I let two random people get in because they were also just stranded back to the hotel. And it was like a, I think a three mile drive, if that. It was a really short drive, but because of surge pricing, it was like £48, £47, £48, which is mad. But I was more than happy to pay it at that point because it had been a long night and I finally got back to the hotel just before 2am. And yeah, I was tired. And then the next day I didn't get a lot of sleep. And then the next, next day is last night when I didn't get a lot of sleep. And so right now, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm fucking knackered. Uh, So as soon as I finish recording this, I'm going to get myself home and get a lot of sleep, which I'm very excited about. Um, Speaking of music though, (laughs) so... I bought a Glastonbury ticket, me, Chloe, and three of her friends back in, what would it have been, like mid to late 2019 is when we got those tickets, and that Glastonbury ticket was going to be for 2020, which obviously didn't go ahead because of coronavirus, so then it rolled over into 2021, which didn't go ahead because of coronavirus, and now it's 2022, it's three years later, I'm three years older, and I don't need to tell you, right? Glastonbury tickets are like gold dust. They are incredibly hard to get. And when you have one, you hold on to it and you go and all this stuff. But the lineup came out today. And let me tell you, I don't think I'm going. I don't think I can bring myself to spend five days in a field and pay £300 for the ticket because we still haven't paid for most of it. You pay like a deposit. And then this week right now is the payment week. Hence, they've released the lineup to see like Paul McCartney and Diana Ross and frankly just anyone on the lineup I look at that lineup and it just doesn't appeal to me it's not my kind of music it's not um the measure I used is are there enough names on this lineup that if they were doing their own gig on their own tour would I go and I think the only name from memory that I'd actually go to a gig for is Sigrid who's going to be touring anyway because she's got an album coming out soon and a new single like next week so album campaigns basically started so probably before Glastonbury Sigrid will have a tour and everyone else in the lineup I just don't fucking care about and so despite Glastonbury tickets being so hard to get and despite the fact that if you get one and you're lucky enough you shouldn't let go of it and you should hold on to it 
I think I'm going to let go of it. I have until the 7th to either pay or it disappears. I don't get it. They refund me the deposit and release the ticket. And I think that's what's going to happen. I can't see any reason why I would go. And so there we go. Um, Bit of a random one, this. Uh, I have been trying to do what I guess is called gratitude journaling, though not in a journal, just on notes in my phone, because I tried gratitude journaling a few years ago when I heard Chris from Modern Wisdom speak about it. And I thought, nah, (laughs) this ain't for me, because I just didn't understand the point of it, right? As in, I bought the six-minute diary back then, and every morning and every night, I'd pull this little book out and write some things down, and I just couldn't see the benefit or the advantage, and also the structure was just a bit too structured for me and I didn't get it and it just felt like a waste of time but then recently I heard somebody can't remember who I'll be honest but I heard somebody speak about the the single biggest benefit of gratitude journaling as I guess this is though not in a journal is that after enough days of doing it after enough days of saying right at some point today I need to write three things in this note on my phone that I'm somewhat grateful for and that they can't be like, I'm grateful for the sun because it made us warm or I'm grateful to have like a roof over my head because they're too obvious, right? Three things that are really specific to you and your day that you're grateful for today. Three things that have happened or that you've said or you've done or that you've felt or that you've, I don't know, experienced in some way. You need to be writing three down every day. When you've done that for enough days, I'm racking my brain to remember who said this. I'll come back to you if I remember. But either way, when you've done that for enough days in a row, when you know you can't get out of it because you're going to be writing those three things down at some point anyway, you start to look for the things, if that makes sense. When you realize, okay, shit, I need to be on the lookout for things I'm grateful for today because I need to write three of them down and it's either going to be really wishy-washy or I'm going to find three things I'm actually grateful for. It's almost like a, a switch flicks in your head and you start proactively looking for things you're grateful for and I'm only like a week into this but it's actually really interesting because that finding of the person who I can't remember who said this is completely true a few days into this I will find myself not racking my brain at 11 p.m before I go to bed to try and desperately fill out these three points but actually like 4 p.m in the day something random will happen something that would otherwise have gone fairly unnoticed or be forgotten immediately and I'm like shit I'm actually really grateful for that thing that this person just said or this thing that just happened or something I saw or I don't know just literally anything right it can be the smallest things but when you're on the lookout for things to be grateful for you almost force yourself to be more grateful. And then there's lots of interesting research about when you're grateful, you actually end up achieving and getting more out of life because it's a complete shift in your perspective of how the world works and kind of what comes to you rather than all of the negatives, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, So that's a really interesting one. I'm going to feed back on that in a few weeks on an episode like this, I think, because it's very early days into it, but it does seem to have merit when you look for things to be grateful for you become more grateful and when you're more grateful more good things at least seem to happen to you because you're looking for them if that makes sense and then I think the next thing that's worth talking about on here is that when was it 
not Sunday just gone, but the Sunday before, I was scrolling Twitter, as I'm sure many people were, and I saw that Jamal Edwards had died. And I'll be honest, like the the 10 minutes of realising that it might actually be true before any sort of facts had formed, I was literally shaking. I can't describe to you how much of a shock it felt, right? And it's for the reasons that I wrote on the Instagram post I did that night. And the reason I did that Instagram post is because I almost needed, in the same way that I used this podcast to kind of get thoughts out there to almost deal with them in one way or another, or just externalize them. I needed to do or write something down to try and comprehend how I was feeling because it's a weird one, right? Because how do I word this? It seems quite abstract to grieve for somebody that you don't really know. Like I knew Jamal, but the last time I saw him was years ago, right? And the most that we ever came to communicating in the last few years was like the odd Twitter reply or the odd DM or the odd email. Like it was nothing that um, immediate. And so I was thinking like, why do I feel this way? And then when I really got writing, when I wrote that caption, um, it kind of struck me. I understood why it was. And it's because, and look, I've made no secret of this. If you listen to the very first episode of this podcast, episode 01, I named two people in that episode who were really pivotal to me when I was younger, when I was like 14, 15, and wanted to really give this business thing a go. Uh, And those two people were Adnan Ibrahim, who was the uh, co-founder of Car Throttle, who is now a co-founder of Mind Labs, uh, and Jamal. I said that Jamal was one of the two people who inspired me so much when I was younger and then obviously the the story arc of this podcast was that when they turned 25 Jamal and Adnan they seemed to have their life in a really interesting spot and so I wanted to document whether that's true and that was the origins of this podcast but the impact that Jamal had on me goes way further back than that because he was probably the biggest reason why I wanted to get into business because It's important to do context saying here, right? If you go back 10 years, Jamal was like the biggest and the best known entrepreneur in the country in our age group. He's comparative to what I guess Stephen Bartlett is today, right? Everybody knew him. Everybody knew his story. And he was an inspiration to countless young business people. But then the reason that Jamal had such an impact, and the same is true if you look in other industries, in other areas, right? You only needed to read Twitter a few weeks ago to see the the impossible to describe impact that he had on so many thousands of people's lives but in the business space something that I'm fairly sure is unique to Jamal I've never met somebody who's done it since is he would give everybody his time right and so when I was this like 14 year old kid who was madly inspired by what he was doing despite the fact that he was running a fast-growing media business, despite the fact that his phone must have been going off non-stop, and despite the fact that I must have been one of easily dozens, if not hundreds of people, trying to get access to his time and his attention to get advice and to be inspired and all this stuff, he didn't do what I know today many people in his position would do, which is just kind of ignore it. He found the time I can speak from personal experience here, but also from a lot of people I know to help, right? So whether it was um, 
making sure that I could go along to the SBTV Christmas party because he kind of knew how inspired I was and then inviting me back to their offices afterwards and showing me this big video that will mean nothing to you if you didn't know SBTV back in the day but their apocalypse apocalypse cipher um, the day before it came out or um, the late night random Skype calls that he would do with his Twitter followers when he got in from nights out fucking years ago or uh, the like two and a half hours that he gave me when um, I interviewed him for Magnate and showed me the preview of his book. Like the point is, as well as him being like an external inspiration massively as to why I wanted to get into business and in in a fairly direct way, why I am today in business, why I am today living the life that I'm trying to live. But also he was tangibly helpful, right? And that sounds quite transactional, tangibly helpful, but like that was the person that he was to everybody. He was incredibly giving with his time and connections and energy in a way that genuinely, I don't know anyone else who is like either in the past or right now. And so, yeah, that was a, um, that was unexpected. But if there was one nice thing for want of a better word, it was sitting on Twitter that night and just reading the thousands, and I mean literally thousands and thousands and thousands of tweets from business people, from uh, musicians, from those in the music industry, like just every single person. And I said this in the caption, every single person has a good story about Jamal. He was not only such a massive impact on the culture that I love, i.e. the music side of things, but also on so many people that I admire right? Stephen Barlow did a post, Ben Francis did a post, I think fucking Drake did a post. Like, there are very few people that you know right now in the world of music or business who weren't directly inspired by and impacted by Jamal. And so there we go. Um, Me not checking the news is not going very well. So if you listened a few weeks ago, you know that I've been avoiding the news or trying to avoid the news is now the more accurate version of this story. And it was going all right. So I did just under two weeks. And then last Thursday, around, I don't know, 11am, picked up my phone and I looked at Boris Johnson's Instagram story of all places. And there was a statement of him condemning what was going on in Ukraine. And I thought, what is going on in Ukraine? I know that, you know, when I'd read the newspaper the previous weekend, I know that Russian forces were continuing to build up their presence on the border but of course given that i had this big blind spot from not watching the news i also had read that russia had said that they were removing their forces and whatever else and so i put on the news and i'm like oh shit like this is this seems significant and as the news does because it's very good at this fucking pulls you in I don't know about you but when there's a big developing story and I spoke about this a few weeks ago so I keep this short but I'm very good at getting into the rabbit hole of following that story and following it and following it and following it and then throw in for good measure things like the statement that Putin put out a few days into the um, invasion of theirs of the nuclear weapons status or whatever fucking nonsense it was that he said like throw in for good measure the fear of nuclear attack And I just, I went straight back in to check in the news. And during my time in London, for those few days, I made a conscious effort to try and reduce how much I checked it. And I think that having that 
kind of gap has removed some of the anxiety that I initially felt towards the, well, just the news, right? Because it's, it's not good news this week. Um, but I think that from Monday, I'm going to make a renewed effort to avoid the news because, I mean, you know my views on it, but I guess this update is just to say that <laughs> despite my views on it, a big war in Europe an invasion of one country into another and everything that comes along with that with my proclivity to check the news anyway just it it made it go straight back to zero so there we go um and i think that's it this probably has been quite a short episode but like i say it's late i just want to give you an update um i've had a couple of really great conversations with guests for this podcast recently so a couple of weeks ago I sat down with Rory Sutherland. Rory is the author of books like Alchemy and the vice chairman of Ogilvy. He is also a wizard in the world of behavioral sciences, which is something that impacts all of us and makes us do and explains why we do such weird, irrational, illogical things. That's a really great conversation. Um, Rory is genuinely one of my favorite people. He has the most incredible stories and just such a such an engaging communication style and so I'm really excited for that conversation to be out this time next week and then today I sat down with Professor Adam Hart who is the author of Unfit for Purpose a book all about how the way we have evolved as humans over an incredibly long period of time suddenly doesn't serve us quite as well because in the last couple of hundred years we've built a world which is unrecognizable from the one that we evolved to live in, right? Whether it's social media, whether it's fast food, whether it's the internet, whether it's fake news, all of these things uh, on a really deep-rooted evolutionary level are at odds with the world that we're supposed to live in. And so I sat down today with Adam to talk about that, to talk about his book, to talk about some of the ideas and to see if there is any lessons that we can take um, to kind of remove that, that background stress or anxiety that I think we all feel at some point understandably because the world that we live in and the always on communications and that kind of hum that we always feel isn't the environment we're supposed to live in and so that's out in a few weeks time I think the 25th of March Um, and then a couple of weeks from now I'm speaking to Johan, Johan Hari obviously had to reschedule a few weeks back so I'm going to speak to him on the 17th so then that will be out in early April I can't remember the date, some point in April. Uh, And then I couldn't tell you who the guest is after that because got a few people who I'm speaking to at the moment but have yet to confirm in the next person for that next slot. But there we go. Um, I'm off to Corby tomorrow for a week. Going to be working from home and then back to Wales for uh, Stormzy on the 13th. I've already told you about that, haven't I? Just going to go and see Stormzy in Cardiff. Why not? And then... Uh, it's a busy, busy, busy week, that week after the 13th. So the week starting the 14th is busy. So there we go. Um, I think that's it. So look, thank you as always for listening. Uh, and I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 110 of Life and Lessons. See you then.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.